Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast Season 6 with your host, Dan the Fitness Man. Thank you for tuning in. We are excited to have you. This is the podcast that is dedicated to hard work, disciplined decisions, and year-round training in the pursuit of the best possible version of ourselves. We leverage elk hunting to create a pathway. We understand that time is finite and we cannot squander a second. We must be leaders at our home. We understand that faith is our number one priority. Then family, then fitness, then health, then wealth. Our year-round disciplined decisions help us leave a legacy for our family to follow. You will leave here motivated, inspired, and educated. We bring on a wide variety of guests subject matter experts so that you can tune in get what you need to get and continue on your journey we are blessed to call ourselves elk hunters season six here we go what's up guys welcome to the elk shape podcast today we're going to be sitting down with uh a kind of a CrossFit legend, living legend, Rich Froning Jr. Uh, I've been watching him from the sidelines, seeing that he's getting into elk hunting. Uh, and I figured, hey, let's get him on here. Let's learn about Rich. Let's learn about his elk hunting journey. Um, and let's see where the conversation goes. Uh, he's a hardworking dude. He's quite the entrepreneur. And he's had some success elk hunting as of late. And I want to get to know his story. And I want to bring you guys along. So... This is Rich Froning Jr. Elk Shape Podcast. Here we go. Okay, we're live at five with uh, Richard Froning Jr. What's up, man? What's up? How's it going? Uh, it's nice to to talk to you, man. Um, I don't think I, I haven't seen you in real life since a long time ago. I saw you um, 
I actually used to sneak into the CrossFit Games uh, as a on a team. So I saw you. There you go. 2013, you were probably busy winning the CrossFit Games. Didn't have much time to talk about elk hunting back then. One of those years, no, and I wasn't in elk hunting at that point. So I was probably just barely into turkey hunting at that point. Okay, so how did you get all of a sudden into hunting? Like it started with turkeys. Now, fast forward, you're crazy elk hunter. How did that process work for you? Um, I think so. Growing up, like I had a bunch of. Um, originally, I was born in Michigan, um, but I moved to Tennessee when I was four years old. Uh, always been very outdoors, very you know, just it. Being, I loved being outside. My parents were big on, hey, we're not going inside. I'm terrible at video games. Always have been because I was like three video game systems behind everybody else. I got hand me downs from my uncle. So, um, just outside. Like if if we weren't outside doing what we were, you know, making up our own stuff, my parents were going to find us something to do. So you're going to go outside. And, um, my dad hunted a little bit, but he doesn't have much patience, one, to sit in the woods, and then two, um, for a kid who won't sit still. And so around here, um, whitetail is, is the big thing that everybody does. And um, I just never really got into whitetail. Nothing against it. I just can't sit still and wait and um, the style that you got to do here is sitting and waiting. And um, <clears throat> I had a buddy who had been right around 2012, good friend of mine. And uh, his dad was is big into turkey hunting, and he's he's really good at turkey hunting. And so for me, one second, we'll let a let this lab out of here. Yeah, dog gets impatient. And uh, he was like, I think you'll you'd really like turkey hunting because you're always on the move. His style of turkey hunting is. You set up in the morning, call a little bit. When you hear something, you go. And that piqued my interest. And so the first, um, you know, couple of times out doing that, I was hooked. I, I loved it. Just, you know, it's a very offensive game instead of just sitting and waiting. And I mean, there is some, you know, obviously there's some patience to it. And I mean, there's days where it does pay off to probably sit and wait. Um, I've probably spooked more birds than I have, you know, killed, but at least I saw something. And um, so for me, that really, really clicked. And I did that for four or five years. And then um, I don't even know. I just had a buddy, a good friend of mine, Stephen Gadbury. He's a, a priest in Arkansas, a good friend of mine. And he was like, hey, you want to go elk hunting? And so um, I started looking into it a little bit. Me and my, my best friend growing up, Matt, who we just put a video out with, um, actually kind of in that process as well, was like, hey, let's go to um, Heron, Montana. We'll get a guide, learn a little bit. And so we went to Heron, Montana. We actually rifle hunted the first year, uh, but it was 80 degrees. Um, it was hot. It was October 1st, first rifle. And, man, I learned a ton from the guide out there of just how to, you know, how to kind of, Look for him. We didn't see one elk um, the entire time. Uh, Matt, actually, uh, the first day in, we joke because he thinks he got rabdo. And so we set him in a stand, rifle hunting. We set him in a stand. And because it was it was the right thing to do then. Like, we set him up on a wallow, and he saw, um, he saw three cows and a bull but couldn't see if it was a legal bull. Um, turns out one of the guys had a camera there was a legal bull um, but Matt just did the right thing, smart thing and didn't shoot but he saw something we hiked our butts off you know 13 miles a day um, up down around through some nasty thickest nasty country you've ever been through 
and came up empty. And uh, I loved it. You know, it was awesome. It was, uh, it was just something to it. There's the, you know, I'm a competitor by nature. And so there's a competitive kind of, it's a competition that nobody's watching. And so for me, everybody watches every move that I do, especially in competition. So it was nice to be out there. And, you know, when you screw up, only you see it and you have to live with it. And it's not a very public thing to do. And um, it was, it was a fun competition. And so I say that to say that when we went to uh, with Stephen, uh, the priest, we went unguided out to Gunnison and we went out there two years. The first year we had a opportunity at a, a bull, a bedded bull. And I gave Stephen the shot and he took a little bit too long to take the shot. And, uh, yeah, we've got it all on video, man. I, I closed my eyes and I can still see this bull just staring down the hill. We were 57 and a half yards. And since he had kind of done the scouting for the area and been there for four or five days, I gave him the opportunity to take the shot. And uh, I'll never do that again. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I can still I can still close my eyes. Everybody's like, you gave him the shot? I was like, it seemed like the right thing to do. You know, like he... He'd seen the spot, but I mean, I put the eyes on it. I just, it's just, man, it's burned in my brain. If I close my eyes, I can see this bull just staring downhill. And, and he was, he was a toad, that's for sure. And so Steven tried to get, close the gap just a little bit. We were on a higher um, trail, uh, game trail, and it was just sunning down here. And when he, uh, instead of staying on the trail and just stepping forward into a lane, he tried to go closer. When he did, he just popped a, a little twig. Next thing you know, 10 elk just take off. Cause I mean, you don't see, you just see that one. You don't see the eight or nine other in his harem. And they, they took off and just the, the heartbreak of that, uh, man, it was, it, like I said, it still haunts me today just staring at that. Like, like I said, if I close my eyes, I can see it. And so we've been on shoot four or five hunts now. And uh, finally this year closed the deal. So it's been a, it was kind of a long rambling answer to your answer, but that's where we're at. Yeah, no, I wanted to kind of get the uh, 10,000 foot view of how long you've been doing it. Uh, you, you've chosen to use a bow primarily. Did you grow up shooting bows or did uh, just Evan over at Hoyt reach out because he's obsessed? Uh, yeah, Evan. So Evan, uh, Evan reached out social media and I don't, I want to say I had a Matthews at the time and was shooting and he was like, hey, I'll send you a bow. I'll always take a free bow. So basically every year, Evan kind of upgrades me. And then last year um, or two years ago, I had a little shoulder thing start creeping up and this left shoulder uh, turns out now there's a lot of things going on in there, uh, but it really started when I started shooting more. And I don't know if the stabilizing, I was right-handed stabilizing with this front shoulder started having all kind of shoulder issues and they just kind of kept snowballing and snowballing. And so this year, and it, it got worse when I would shoot my bow more. And so I reached out to Evan. I was like, hey, I think I'm going to switch left-handed. He's like, I don't know about that. And so I said, I'm going to switch left-handed. And so he sent me a bow. And uh, this year I learned, I taught myself how to shoot left-handed. It, it really wasn't uh, that much of a learning curve, to be honest. I, am, I was growing up, I was left-eyed dominant. Uh, okay. I don't know, from years of baseball. And when I first tried to shoot a rifle at my buddy's house the first time I leaned with my left eye on my right shoulder and so his dad was like no and taped my eye shut for a whole weekend so my right eye would kind of naturally take over and so I just always shot right-handed so I actually feel a little bit more comfortable with my left eye 
for some reason. And then, you know, being right hand dominant, stabilizing my bow, I felt like at a longer range, my groupings were, you know, obviously when you get closer that your groupings are a little tighter. My groupings just stay the same, whether I was at 20, 40, 60 or whatever, I would shoot out to 60. Um, and I still, I'm still, you know, honing that in a little bit, but I, I felt comfortable. So this year when I actually killed, killed a, an elk or harvested an elk, that's a politically correct term now, right? Um, it was left-handed. So that's sick, dude. I am left eye dominant. I've, I've ordered left-handed bows, messed with it. I, I like it. Uh, I can agree with everything you've said so far. Like, first off, I'm right-handed. So holding a bow with my right hand is like not fair. It's like, what is this? And and then um, I don't. I can shoot with both eyes open, but ultimately, I still have my left-handed bow. But I, I've gone back to right-handed. I don't know. I just feel like I've been doing it for 20 years that way, and I, I don't know. But I dig that you did the switch and that uh, you stood your ground to Evan. You're like, no, send me the southpaw. I'm doing this. Yeah, I uh, like I said, it, it's uh, it was a fun kind of challenge too. It was it was a little bit different. Um, and I mean, it, it paid off, like I said, cause I, it feels fine to draw with this left shoulder, but the, the stabilizing side of it for some reason, uh, really bugs that left shoulder. You know, it's interesting, a guy who like is in the public eye more than most people. And for folks listening, I mean, I got guys that listen that probably don't know who you are rich. So it's kind of, I probably should have done an intro, but Google him. Just Google Rich if you need to. Yeah, you think my shirt's off a lot? This guy makes me look like I'm cons- I'm just playing. But no, man, like I want to know based on when did you get into like your first real like bugle fest or have you not had that yet where like you are hearing dinosaurs everywhere and you are hooked? Yeah, so predominantly well, up until this last cow tag that I, I uh, killed one a couple weeks ago, or a couple months in October. November. That was November. So before that, everything had been um, over the counter public land, except for that first one um, in Montana. And that was, like I said, we got skunked on that. The hard part for me is like, you know, in, in over the counter, um, I don't have the trained ear yet because I haven't heard enough real bugles and been in a, a really close, tight situation. Like I'll hit a bugle and I'm like, oh, that's one. And then you'll get somebody with Evan and they're like, no, that was a person. And I'm like, and then you'll hear one, a bugle, and I'm like, oh, that was a person. They're like, no, that was a real one. I'm like, I give up, you know? So this year was the first year we were, um, we had gone up. Originally, we were in, um, uh, we were Route National Forest. And so we went into um, one of the units up there, and we were up at 11,000 feet, 10, 11,000 feet, thinking everything's up high, right? And so we went up there for a couple of days. We heard, we did hear one kind of crappy bugle that turned out to be a bull thought he was 100 200 yards away it was more like just a little locator or just a little kind of it was more of a grunt with a view it was a weird like i said it was weird and so tried to close the distance thinking he was like 200 yards away turned out he was like 30 yards away and so bumped him out of his bed so that was i know for a fact was a view it was right there saw him um and then we actually came down lower after somebody showed up to our camp and was like hey I saw the Froning Farms uh, logo on the side of the trailer. Is Rich here? And so I'm talking to him, and he's like, "Hey, you know, you guys had any luck?" And I'm like, "To be honest, no. First day, yes. And then, you know, we've been up, out, as far away you think, get away from pressure, right?" He's like, "Well, 
we've been going to 8,200 feet. You want to see? And we've had, he's like, we've had six encounters in six days. I was like, absolutely, I want to see. And so he shows us right on Onyx where he's seeing all these um, elk. And so no, no shit. First day we drop in, we, we get up to the top of this hill, drop over to the side, and we hear a bugle. And so it's, it's a real bugle. It's just some oak brush. And so we, we set up, have one of the guys back here today, Curtis, um, 40, 50 yards behind us. He's calling, this thing's coming. And you start getting those, that was the first time I've experienced, you know, fever. And so I'm like full on, like, it's a little chilly. Uh, that's what I like to tell myself, but I had full on shakes. This thing was coming. Yeah, dude. And then, you know, and then like they do, you get about 50, 60 yards, you can hear some rustling. And then he just didn't want to come out and, and never showed up. But man. That was a that was a cool feeling to actually see that. And then the final morning, um, before we killed that bull, we were walking in, and we were on public land. And then there's this huge valley, and it's private. And then there's a piece of public that's surrounded by private. And every morning we'd walk in, we'd look out on this hillside, and on the public that's surrounded by private, there'd be 40 elk out there. And so the last morning, my one buddy just starts calling, and sure enough, you see a bull come out of the field and i mean he was he was huge and he's he's calling there's no way we're getting them across um but man it was cool for about 30 minutes where you know you're delirious you're six days in a hunt you're you're mentally you're fried and um we just wanted to see some interaction but it was that was my first like being able to see every time this bull would bugle tj would bugle and this thing was going crazy and you're watching these cows try to kind of figure out what's going on and then from different points of timber you're seeing other bulls start to come out and they're calling they're getting mad these cows are trying to figure out who to go with and it's pissing off this main bull even worse because all these are saddled it was that was a, a one of the cooler experiences and then mm. finally about 45 minutes in we're like well we should probably go hunt now you know <laughs> these things aren't coming but it was cool to see and so uh i mean the one that we we end up getting uh, he just slipped into the wallow silently we we're just kind of sitting there and uh, we'd been sitting there. It was the one day we were like, all right, let's just sit at this wall. We'd seen where uh, there was a tree stand set up on it. And then there were two carcasses probably a week apart that we'd found earlier in the week. And then the night before we were glassing the hillside on another ridge. And we saw, I don't know if it was the bull we ended up killing, but we saw it was far enough away. We didn't have a spotting scope. We just had, you know, uh, 10 by 48s. And we just saw him kind of working down. And the, we knew there was an elk over there. So we decided that morning to start on that side. And, we're sitting at this wallow and Curtis made a couple cow calls. And then all of a sudden my buddy looks down and says, bull. And I'm like, what'd you say? He says, bull elk and points like this. He's kind of sitting, we're sitting on a hillside overlooking this um, wallow and I'm sitting above him. Our media guys behind him. And for 10 minutes, luckily I had an arrow knocked and I'm sitting there and this thing's just staring at us and I'm full on. It was like there was like periods of two or three minutes of full on shakes and then complete control and then shake again. It was we have the uh, just a phone video of it, but it was 11 minutes. This thing stared. It would look up, look down, look around, look up, look down. And so one of the times it looked looked down, I set my range on my single pin. One of the times it looked away, I, I, you know, I uh, put my uh, release on the D loop. And then he started to leave. And when he started to leave, I drew. And there would have been, it would have been a shot, you know, as big as a, you know, a large pizza 
right in the vitals, but it was through, not through brush. There was a clear spot. Um, I'd made up my mind. I was going to make a shot through there. If he walked to that point, cause I wasn't going to let him just walk. And so he, I draw and Curtis can't see that. And so I keep referring to Dave Curtis, one of our good friends that hunts with us. And, uh, he's, he's telling me to wait. And so that elk for some reason gets to that spot and decides to turn back around. He crosses the two trees I needed him cross and I let one fly. And that's really the first time that I shot at an animal with a bow. And so that sound, that just breaking sound, mm. I thought it centered a tree and my heart broke. I thought I had just, you know, not only did I let myself down, I let these three guys down, four guys down that we've been hunting and hunting our nuts off. And I'm, I just, the sheer disappointment and sheer just, man, it was one of the, one of the worst moments of my life, lowest of lows. And so we sit there for about five or 10 minutes and we're like, all right, let's go see this arrow. And I'm looking at where we were sitting and trying to find the tree. I'm like, it should be centered in this tree. Like I heard it and, uh, look down and find an arrow covered in blood and the, uh, complete low to complete high in one second was, it was pretty incredible. That's the drug, Rich. That's the drug, man. Like that's elk hunting. It's like so much lows, very few highs. And if you keep your head in the game, you get to experience that. Um, that, that sound of smashing ribs never gets old, man. That is so cool. Um, way to clutch up to like to time the hook onto the D loop. Um, it's dangerous elk hunting with a single pin. I mean, I'm tempted to do it every year just because I I love a single pin sight picture. But stuff happens fast when you party with elk, man. Yeah, man. I, you know, because you you sit there and as soon as you sit down, or what I do is I'll pick some trees and I'll range, I'll range, and I'll range. You know, where we were at, this was almost like a super highway of how the trails came into it. I mean, it was heavily used. There's probably eight different trails cut into it. And so I'd ranged trees, but in the hour, hour and a half, you, you completely forget what tree you ranged and what the range was. It's miraculously, um, yeah, I'm a big faith guy, so I think there was somebody else involved. I put it on 50 or 40 yards. It was 41 yards. And so, you know, in my head, I'm like, originally I thought I put it on 30. And so, I mean, it, it turned out literally perfect situation. It hit right. Uh, he was a little bit quartered to us, so it went right through lung and then through liver and uh, got the top half of the liver. But, man, it was it was like man, just using a, a normal Montauk arrow, fixed blade, went right through. You could see right where it went through the lung, and he went about 50 yards and was out. So, mm, man, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's awesome. It's cool. Just the – man, the, the, the brotherhood, the hard work, the, just everything about it is, is so special. You can't even really put it into words and how it just feels right. You know, like it feels like we should be doing that. It feels, uh, it's addicting. It's like a drug now. My wife, you know, we were driving back from somewhere. She's like, if you didn't have me or the kids, what do you think you'd be doing? I said, I'd be gone from September till December, I think, out West, you know, hunting elk. I just, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's in, in my blood now, I think. I feel that you're the right podcast, man. That's all we do. That's what we live for. Um, well, being in a public eye, having a, a massive following, winning the games, people know you. So I tip my hat to you to hunt public land and roll with a Froning Farm sticker on your rig. That's truly like <laughs> yeah, bold. That's ballsy, man. And um, even me, like I'm just a nobody, but I still like am worried about people seeing my truck and 
and public land's tough and, and you probably could go private route if you really wanted to. So I just want to tip my hat publicly to you because that public grand, that's, that's legit, man. I'll- I wanted to kind of notch that after, you know, we, we've been stuck those three or four times, um, you know, once in Montana and then the two years in Gunnison, there was just something that I was like, you know, we've been offered some private land stuff and I, you know, to some people's things like high fence, I, I just won't do it. That's just not where I want to be. I public and private to me, um, private, I'll go private land. I mean, I've got nothing against it, but I needed to, I needed to knock that, you know, I needed to say, all right, I've done hardest of the, and it didn't even have to be a bull. Like I would have taken a cow. I don't care. Like to me, it's me. And obviously, yeah, heck yeah. Now that I have a, a five by six hanging in my living room, my wife let me hang it in there. I'm like, you know, a bull is, is there's just so many memories with that hunt. And it was the first one. And like I said, I needed to, I needed to notch that tag. It was, was over the, over the counter public land needed to try that. So now, now, you know, monkey's out of the bottle, bro. So we're, we can, uh, I'm, I'm open to anything now. Like I said, I think I will draw the line though at high fence. That's, that's where I'm, that's yeah. where I'm at. But nothing, that's your cup of tea. It's your cup of tea. I just, it's just not where I'm at. No, I feel that, man. That's cool. Um, so I guess we got to get into, you said the politics, you're, you, you know, you said harvest versus kill. And uh, I understand that. I, to- I totally get it. You post a dead animal on your social. It's going to be good, but there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a bunch of, people that crossfit that probably eat meat they're just not down with killing their own meat or whatever so what's that what's that journey been like for you um i've enjoyed it you know like uh, a lot of people shy away I, and my deal is i've always heard if 50 percent of the people like you and 50 percent hate you then you're doing good you know but obviously i don't you don't want people to hate you uh, right but to me it's like i feel and, and I've made this last post, the second to last post that I made. Um, I think that's what really pissed people off. But it was like, hey, if you're a vegetarian or vegan and you're against hunting, I don't agree with you. And that's the problem in this country. We don't have to agree, but we can respect, you know, somebody like, I respect that you don't want to eat meat. I'm going to eat meat. You know, we can be on mutual, you know, footings here. I said, what, got, what gets me is the people that eat meat and are against hunting not if they eat meat and don't hunt like that's your own but if you're against hunting and i, I basically i said they were cowards um and so you know a little bit of i feel like if you're against hunting and you eat meat you're a coward you like it it's not easy to kill something like you like it was hard the hunt was hard but i don't relish in the fact that this animal's dead you know but I'm going to eat it. My kids are going to eat it. Like I have some really cool memories from this hunt. I have friendships that'll last a long time. Like there's just so much that goes into it and it's not easy to kill something, you know, like it's not. uh, And so people that eat meat, what do they think? What do you think it just magically appears? Like that's what blows my mind is, is the just lack of, of knowledge of where your food comes from. You know, it's good to hear this, man, because I'm not, I'm not surprised that uh, I, I really believe probably 90% plus people in, that follow you because they're into the fitness consume animal flesh as a protein, you know, source. Absolutely. Uh, yep. But they're, they, they're just not as educated on what you're doing to get go out and get the best sourced meat that is not immunized. There's no hormones. It's eating the best grasses in the world. 
and you get to eat. I mean, that is PEDs. You want to talk about performance enhancing drugs. You got a stack of it in your freezer now, man. Well, what gets me too is like, they think, you know, oh, this, this animal should have died naturally. Do you know how like this, the two that I've killed, the one died within 30 seconds. The one died on shot. Like I watched her, I hit her in the spine on the neck and she just dropped. Those two died more humanely than if a pack of wolves, especially in Colorado, you know, that's the hot topic right now. They torture. Like, granted, that's natural. It's natural selection. It is what you want to call it. But it's not a, a, a pleasant end for these elk if they die by a wolf, by a bear, um, overpopulation. Like, humans have always been, at least in the last however many thousands of years, part of the food chain. What is what is wrong with humans being part of the food chain? I, I don't. It blows my mind. So that's that's what gets me. Well, man, I just encourage you to keep shining a positive light in a in a sector that probably hasn't been exposed to much. Uh, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, I would not forgive myself if I didn't bust your balls on this podcast. I watched a video of, of you elk hunting in Colorado. And I don't know when I saw it, but it was years ago. But I I didn't know you yet. And I was like, if I get a chance, I'm going to make fun of Rich. You brought to elk camp an assault bike. And a hundred pound dumbbell and you're, it's the middle of the day and you're doing a wad to work out of the day. And I'm like, man, either he's doing it right or he's doing it wrong. So now do you bring equipment to elk camp? Is that, tell me what you got going on there. Let me preface that. All right. So the only time I've ever worked out on an elk hunt was that day because the one day they were like, Hey, if you sit at a wallow for eight or nine hours, I guarantee you'll see something. And so we sat for eight or nine hours. And so I had to do something. Gotcha. So it was more of like, we brought equipment every time and it's, that's the only time it's ever been used. Yeah. So okay. you can, that, that, like I said, every other time, like this year, we were sun up, out, sundown, home, bed. Because it was, we were on the grind all day long. That was the only time I've ever had the time one or two felt like working. Okay. Well, let's segue into, I want to use your metrics from your hunt experiences in Colorado high country. You're one of the fittest dudes in the world. And I think you're one of the best movers I've ever seen. Like just, you just move well, man. So you're elk hunting, you have a backpack on, you're covering elevation miles. It's no secret. I kind of promote CrossFit style of training to get ready for elk season because I feel like it just simply works. But I guess put that aside, how did you do in the mountains with what you do currently training? What do you like that uh, about training that carryovers into the mountains? What are the needs? What are the demands? Let's, let's get this nerd out on training. Yeah, absolutely. It's my favorite, favorite topic actually. So, you know, over the years, you, the first time I went, it was, uh, I strictly did CrossFit. I didn't really add any anything into it and felt completely fine felt really good um especially you know the guy that i was with he had no idea who i was um by the end of it he was like hey what the, what the hell do you do like why you know because he's a mountain guy and like he's he said it, it's the hardest he's ever hunted with a client usually you know he's running away from people and i was right there on his hip he was a good dude matt uh, we had a ton of fun. Like I said, I learned a ton from, him. and so I felt like, Hey, I'm pretty prepared for that, but I could dial it in, you know, like any sport you do, you want to, all right, how, how can I one up this? And so 
different years I've added certain things. Um, you know, for us, game season is usually up until August. And so I'm in pretty peak shape um, up until that point. And then elk season for us is usually mid-September. So get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's, <clears throat> it's a mix of like, I do still do a ton of CrossFit. Uh, kind of like one what people would call a workout of the day usually I maintain that up until elk and then um, I add in maybe just a long slow kind of grind like throw a pack on I think the biggest thing for me is you know the the your traps get a little bit fried from having a pack if you have a good pack now packs are so awesome that if you put enough of the weight on your hips you know having the fighter background of a CBA and stuff like that you know kind of where to put things um and so, you know, the last couple of years I've added some longer kind of like box step ups. You know, I think this last year, especially I learned, hey, hip, hip mobility is huge. Um, some balance work is huge, especially in the mountains when you're on side hill and stepping over deadfall or um, this year. I was like, you know what I'm going to. And this was this last time, you know, you really learn some things through the each hunt. I'm like, all right, what can I add next year to make this even easier? Um, a ton of balance work i think you know they make even super easy like uh they make like those foam pads that you balance on get your heart rate up a little bit trying to balance for a little bit just to get everything you know like your anterior tibs your lower legs and just that proprioception because you're always off off camber you're always moving around there's a lot of athleticism to it um stepping up and over stuff falling because you're gonna fall um the hard part for me this year was I had uh, I had an MRI right before and game season really flared up my shoulder. I've got two or three tears in my rotator cuff at different points. And so um, it was this year. So when I would fall, I would just kind of like cradle my shoulder and fall on my back. And so that's hard. Like, so just getting used to like how to fall. Like it's really, I don't know if you can really train that, but um, the balance side of it, the hips, um, and then the, the added piece this year that I've never really experienced was pack out. Uh, one of the most miserable experiences of my life. You know, to that point, hunting, hunting elk is incredibly difficult. Uh, mentally, physically, the grind. You know, physically, it's hard. Like, it goes in spurts. It's almost why I think CrossFit is so good is because, you, you know, you sprint up or, you know, make a climb of a couple hundred feet. And your gas, like it's hard, but you can recover pretty quickly with, with what we do. And so this year I was like, oh, okay, I see the CrossFit side, how beneficial it is. Um, but man, pack out this year, I'm going to 
you know, in anticipation of having to do that again, I think backwards sled drags would be huge. I think um, if anybody had one of those, um, if you have a belt squat, like we have a belt squat here and just doing marches in place. Cause for me, man, my glute meads and glute men, like just having that pack sit there with hundred pounds and you're just trying to, you know, basically just hike it up. It, it was getting that and, and, you know, it being my first belt keeping the, the cape and the head was incredibly just off. Everything about it was just miserable. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to, how to explain it, but just thinking about for me, like I said, I, I geek out on the training side. So I'm like, all right, how can I, what can I add? And, and what I would tell somebody besides just general physical preparedness, cardio, strength in the legs, things like that. Um, calves, calves burn a lot more than you would think. That's where I usually take a lot of um, feeding is in my calves. And so sled pulls, sled drags, but to add on to that is hip mobility, you know, getting up and over things, you know, stepping up onto something high if you need to and balance. Those are the, the main things for me um, that have helped over the years for sure. Man, I can really, I really appreciate that belt statement because the belt marches, I don't have that in my shop right now. And it's on my high, it's, it's way up on my list, but the sled work for sure but the hip mobe and then the the thing that you said was like falling like i've never really thought of it that way but like at the end of the day i carry my bow a very specific way when i'm elk hunting anticipating falling like just losing your footing and it happens almost every day crazy right it really is uh this this year when i fell i i bet my sight on my bow the day that we killed and so the single pin it has kind of a you know, the pin is here and then it has this metal piece that's supposed to brace it from falling either way. I look down and this thing is turned off cam, like completely messed up. And so I eyeballed it back into position. And so just to think back, that was just another piece of, you know, it was meant to be for this elk, uh, you know, to go down. And it was like, you don't think about that when you're carrying, you know, a gun or carrying a bow, like you fall, like it is what it is. You can't. Um, and so trying to figure out, all right, if I, like, if I'm, if I'm going uphill, like side hilling, where do I carry my bow? Cause you switch hands. I mean, you regularly, yep. this hand gets burnt out. This one, you know, takes over. And so man, there's just things to think about. And, you know, if those things are hard to, how do you add that into training? I don't know if you really do, uh, but even adding carrying in your bow into some step ups and stuff like that, uh, just to, you know, it, to be more natural where you're carrying it and how you're carrying it. Um, you know, if you want to geek out on it, like, you know, you probably do, like I do, you know, there's, um, I said, I don't necessarily, I'm not a huge, like, Hey, my goal is to do this, but I have targets of things that I'm going to do. And I'm like, how do I tailor my training for that? So like next year, I'm going to do the Leadville 100 mountain bike. And so I'm now I'm already thinking about how am I going to knock that out while trying to train if I can put it in the master's degree. Like there's just, I like to have not necessarily goals, but like events that I'm training for at, at different times. Yeah, man. It's like boxes that you got to get checked that are going to suit or serve you well. Um, did you just say you're training for the masters? Did I just hear that right? So I have a goal of, of one championship in each age group. That's my, you know, my, my selfish goal. I don't know if, I'm going to skip the 35 to 40 and wait till 40, or if I'm going to try this year and see if I can get my shoulder and knee healthy, which 
we're trending in the right direction and I'll do the qualifiers. And if, you know, if everything falls into place, then I'll do it. If not, I'll, you know, we'll see. So the, the best option though, is to do it when you're younger in the age group. And so uh, we'll see, but like I said, I've committed to doing the Leadville 100. It's the next week after the game. So um, there'll be a, a dual, dual training. Man, you are glutton for punishment. Okay. So are you, are you 35 yet or you? Yeah. Glutton or stupid. 35. So I turned 35 last year, uh, two weeks technically after the, the age limit, which I would have done team anyway. That was the plan. So I'm now, okay. I'll be 36 games this year. I remember turning 35 and being like, y'all look out. I'm at the top of my game. Back. And that, that, that didn't work out too well for me, but uh, enough about that. Um, but, uh, 35 years. I was 35 or 13 years of just punishment on my body. For real. But if that's a goal of yours, I tip my hat to you. I know that's what the people want. They want to see you go solo. Right. You are a fiery competitor. I do encourage folks to go back and watch some maybe documentaries or some clips of you um, kind of in your heyday. You That is definitely something that can transfer to elk hunting. And I live off underdog in the elk mountains, man. Like that is what I live off of is I will sacrifice sleep. I will go night bugling. I will move my camp in the middle of the night and that's punch elk tags. And you have that mentality in CrossFit, at least from the outside looking in, man. Like I I have not seen anybody still to this day show up with that rich frowning fire, man. So it's how cool has it been to express that in the mountains? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's what I love about it and hate about it is, you know, for years I've been able to maybe not outwork people, but work harder to have a better opportunity at the goal. And you still with elk hunting, you work harder and you have a better opportunity. Sometimes it just doesn't pay off. You know, like I, we've worked hard. I worked just as hard the two previous years um, that we went solo. I don't count the first year in Montana because just for me, it was guided and I wasn't really doing much of the tactics. You know, this, the last three years have been us coming up with what the plan is and, and doing any and everything we can to, to punch the tag. And so, man, there's just something about a competition that you work harder and you, you don't, it doesn't happen. You know, like it, that was, it was hard, a hard pill for me to swallow the first year. Like it was just, this is, this is something different, you know, and, and not necessarily does hard work always pay off, but you know, like usually you're going to have a better opportunity and to just not have the opportunities. There's a little bit of, um, you know, there's just something to it, man. It's just something that keeps pulling you back. It's hard to describe like why, like, you know, we had a couple guys, you know, the group has dwindled as, you know, we had some more Midwestern style hunters that wanted to go with us in the first year, they were like, this is stupid. This sucks. Like, I, I don't want to do this. And so, you know, they came the next year and then third year, they're like, nah, I think I, this year I'm going to sit this year out. And now of course that we, we made it happen. They're like, I, I think I'm going to come back next year. And I'm like, I don't know if you're invited, you know, like, it's like, a, you gotta, I don't know. There's just something to it. Like it, it, it attracts the same type of people. And that's, you know, the beauty of CrossFit as well. Um, for the most part, the same type of people do it. And what I've noticed too is elk hunting is pretty similar. Like it's the same style, same mentality. We have a lot of common, uh, same type of personalities. And so it's been fun. I know from just watching you at your gyms or whatever, you, you, you have like lots of whiteboards everywhere. I do too in my gym. And it's like, there's a million workouts written up and it's kind of like a mat. Like I have a fitness app for 
basically hunters. It's called Discomfort. You have Mayhem Programming. Talk to me about how you get inspired. I kind of want to peel the layers back on your madman because you are, you're a phenomenal programmer. How do you come up with your ideas? How does that work in your, in your systems? I think I just, uh, you know, like I, I enjoy it, you know, like I live it. I, I see numbers. Um, I see how numbers work. I've done it for so long. I see how movements affect other movements. Um, I know how to, you know, like what movements get what stimulus, the stimulus that's needed. I usually know that the demands of the sport granted this year, there's a little bit of circus to our sport, but that's what it is. Um, and so, you know, like, I feel like up until this point, I've had a pretty good grasp on it. And, you know, not to say that um, we don't need advancements in what we're doing in our sport, but um, it's, I, I just enjoy it. Like, it's hard for me to really, you know, put into words, you know, I, it's almost like uh, you ever see, uh, well, everybody's seen Hangover, but when Zach Galifianakis is like playing the numbers <laughs> when they're going to the casino, like, that's, that's yeah. where my brain goes. And someone's like, hey, I'm thinking about this workout. So like yesterday we were, you know, one of our compete workouts is a track on, um, on our mayhem stuff. And so like one of the workouts just to give you an idea. It was like 30 front squats at 95 pounds, hundred double unders, 30 pull-ups. Right. And so, uh, I forgot there was a rest in between rounds and all this stuff. So we were trying to figure out we're competing next week. Unfortunately at Waterpalooza, uh, I got drug into that. I tried not to, but looks like I'm doing it. But anyway, Lucky you. so, uh, so we're we're trying to figure out you know how do we make this relatively partnerish and and uh one-to-one -one kind of back and forth not getting our hands too beat up doing 120 pull-ups so we decided to switch in muscle ups 10 is like didn't want to do 60 muscle ups and so we said all right we're going to do 24 squats 100 double unders and eight um muscle ups and i'm like cool but the numbers have to make sense in my head and have to be divisible by eight. So it's 24, 96 double unders and eight months. This is stupid stuff like that. And so right. that's where my brain goes. It's like, I've got stimulus check. Um, I've got, you know, movements that I need or we haven't hit in a while check. And now the numbers have to make sense. You know, like there's just, it's just dumb at times. Like when you get into the nitty gritty of it, you're like, what was four double unders really going to do? Um, but then also, if you're going to look at a whiteboard all the time to know what the hell you're doing because all the numbers don't make sense, then hey, you know, so. It's an art. There's no question uh, from from one strength guy to another like that. That's an art. And I I, I like the movements and, and all the numbers. I get that. Um, I guess I want to finish with this, Rich. You're quite the entrepreneur. I'm sure you didn't start out that way. I know from research. I've researched you. You've you had some firefighting background, myself included. You have some strength and conditioning background, myself, which is awesome to hear that you were spent some time in the four walls of what's that? I said, are we now best friends? And uh, yeah, no. firefighters, strength and conditioning, we're all good. Uh, you are too. Um, you are too into CrossFit at this point, man. I, uh, in five years, ten years, when you're feeling like I feel, I don't know, man. You you move well, and I don't I don't move like you. You move. But I, I've done I've done some research on you to come to realize is holy crap you wear a lot of hats and so I guess I just give me a brief like snapshot of a day in a life of rich like like what time you get up how many businesses are you running you got froning like give us a snapshot and you're a dad and a husband most importantly yeah yeah so yeah first obviously it starts off in the morning the first thing I do is take my daughter to school uh, I usually get up six thirty six forty five uh, my oldest is in second grade and my little two. Um, they're five and four. And so most mornings 
I'll give you this morning. This morning, woke up 6.45, uh, took the oldest to school, the little two come with me, hang out at the gym, usually sit. Uh, we have a coffee shop at the gym, Buffalo Brew, um, sat there, had some coffee for about 45 minutes to an hour. Crew kind of comes in, we train with, um, hit some, hit a little echo bike, handstand walk, pig flip workout, added in some extra echo bike, uh, handstand walk intervals, uh, did some clean and jerks on the minute. So usually about 9.30 to 12-ish um, train. Had a Mayhem meeting, so a director's meeting we have usually every other week uh, here at Mayhem. Anybody, you know, we have online programming. We have the coffee shop. We have the gym. We have media. We have uh, apparel. Um, there's a little bit of everything. So all those guys are in there. We're kind of bouncing ideas, doing that type of stuff, making sure everybody's on the same page. And then, I mean, here on this, I've got, uh, we'll probably train again in an hour or so. My wife will sometimes pick up my oldest. I sometimes pick up my oldest. My little two are running around in here uh, playing. Right now they're with my mom. My mom happens to every once in a while um, come through and she's like, hey, you want the kids to come with me? They love going Grammy. Three to four thirty-five-ish, I'll train. And then um, evening is usually with family and hanging out. Like I said, my kids are with me all the time, though. Like they're running through in and out, jumping around, doing whatever. This is a big playground for them here at the gym. Um, we have the farm at home. It's a bison farm. Um, we have uh, about 50 acres of bison uh, field. And then we have uh, my wife has what I call her therapy cows. They're highland cows that will never see a butcher shop. They're those big, stupid, furry looking cows that you see on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, but it keeps her happy and it keeps her off my back. Uh, so, you yeah. know, sometimes there's chores with that. Depends on time of the year. Uh, we had to vaccinate those little bastards the other day, and that was a uh, that was a fun experience. Uh, one about got a hold of us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of things going on, uh, but it's fun. It's, you know, stuff that I enjoy if I, you know, everybody jokes, oh, you're retired at 35 because I stepped, stepped away from the team side, but I'll never be retired. It's just not, you know, guys like us don't retire. you got to be doing something. Dang, you know, two of my favorite dudes to follow is you and, and my buddy Cam Haynes. I'm sure you've heard of him. So both y'all have set up lives where you have businesses, but you guys delegate some serious responsibility because you don't detract from what boxes need to get checked for you to do you. Like Cam's going to run 26 a day. He's going to get a lift in. He's going to get a shoot in. I need to get better at that. I still get a, I still get my training in. I still shoot daily. I need more. I'm trying to build my team up so I can just delegate. Yeah. delegate it's a team, man. It's all about that. It's all about that. We've got some incredible uh, guys and girls here that that you know help me and keep me um, on task. One and two, just do the things that I don't want to do, and they're better than me at it. You know. So I always joke that I'm I'm basically the queen here. I'm just a ceremonial leader. Uh, shake hands, kiss babies, and uh, you know, come up with the bad ideas. And they're like, ah, let's not do that one. Some of them are good, but some aren't so bad. So I'm actually supposed to go hang with Cam uh, in three weeks. I'm gonna go out there to Eugene. He asked me to come out. And I've we've texted back and forth, but never really been been uh, met face to face. So I'm really looking forward to that. I look forward to. Uh, I mean, he's a guy. Obviously, if you all kind of know who Cam Hayes is. So. Yeah, dude. I think you'll love that. He's low key for sure. He's low key, but um. Oh man, he'll and he listens to this podcast. So Cam, what's up, buddy? I, yeah. You got to get him to do some CrossFit, man. Like he wants to do buys and tries. We run a, a marathon. On that. He's gonna make you run, dude. I visited him this summer. It was twenty-two miles. I was begging for mercy. 
the dude can shoot, but man, I don't know if he wants to do that CrossFit nonsense that you do, but um, he's a beast. And he's 54 years young, so that'll be a great collab. I'm glad to hear that. Last but not least, man, what's your elk plans for 23? I've got, uh, you know, we're, we've got our group. There's a group of eight of us, uh, really close friends. Uh, we might end up in Colorado OTC. Uh, we, a couple of us have tags in the panhandle of Idaho. Um, I've had uh, the, the most wanted list on the uh, outdoors channel, outdoorsman channel. Uh, they asked me to come out to Oregon, so maybe out there. And so I don't know if you can hear this lap, but oh, he's oh, yeah. whining, but uh, that's the game plan right now. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'll be out, be out there for sure. Guys look up rich. If you haven't, um, he's uh, I'll put his link to his Instagram. He's pretty regular. Dude's a beast, loves Jesus, loves elk hunting and is a fit family. Dude gets no better than this separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Elk Shape Podcast. We appreciate your support. We know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts. So thanks for choosing ours. We hope you learned something. We hope you leave inspired, motivated, excited, and more determined to chase your goals in 2023. This podcast is brought to you by Numa Outdoors. We do have a discount code. It's ElkShape20. It takes 20% off your purchase. Vortex Optics, we have two discount codes. The first one being for EuroOptic.com. If you're in the market for a rangefinder binos, spotter from vortex enter the discount code elk 10 and it'll take 10 percent off also vortex wear a lot of the stuff i wear around the house is vortex wear and why wouldn't you the discount code is elk shape takes 20 percent off vortex wear onyx hunt become an elite member especially with application season you want to have access to hunt reminder so you don't miss a draw deadline as well as top rut so you can get accurate up-to-date draw odds plus study your maps all in one discount code elk shape takes 20 percent off elite memberships matthews archery out of sparta usa shooting the phase 4 29 and 33 leaning towards the 29 for elk season just because it's a little more compact and they just nailed it out of the park they continue to make these teeny tiny incremental adjustments to these bows and they're more streamlined and quieter and dead in the hand Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. These guys make the knife that we give to Spirit of Elk Shape Camp Award. Plus, I run their skinners and all sorts of knives in my backpack kill kit. I don't use like a Havilon anymore, not after I about cut my hand off with one. So please consider going to a fixed knife. Why not Buck Knives? They've been in business since 1902. MagView Digiscoping. This is the magnet, so it slaps on the back of your phone and you can digiscope through your spotter or binos. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 10% off. This is super slick. You don't need a phone case. Check out MagView, link in the show notes. I've been running Kafaru since 2019. I've never looked back. I've tried a lot of different backpacks. There is not a better frame on the market than Kufaru. So check them out. I do think the Hoodlum is probably the best bag for elk hunting because you can go day hunt or multiple nights, get a spike camp bag. Also check out their Kafaru hip quiver. I use that a lot for shooting in the backyard. Kafaru International. Now they're out of Wyoming, made in the USA. Crispy Boots. I'm rocking the Colorado Twos and the Laponia Twos. Those are my go-tos, and I always put sheep feet in my boots. I take out the insole. Sheep feet, I have a discount code. It is elk shape. It takes 10% off, and that is a solid investment for custom orthotics that will keep your feet happier, and happy feet means that you're going to get into more elk. Wilderness Athlete, 
super clean brand. I take a multi fish oil, midnight build. I take their protein. I take their brute strength post-workout. And I think they make super clean products. We have a discount code. It is still ElkShape22 for the time being. Check the show notes to see any changes to that. 30% off your first purchase. Discount code ElkShape22. Wilderness Athlete, a supplement company, not a marketing company. Trail cameras are just something that I find to be super valuable to not only hunting whitetails, but elk, bears. Pretty much anywhere I can use a trail camera legally, I'm going to, whether it be an actual regular old trail camera or cellular. I do think SpyPoint kind of specializes in the cellular, specifically the Flex with the dual SIM. So you got an AT&T and a Verizon SIM card in one trail camera. Battery life is amazing. It's a free little app you download on your phone. Your images get transmissions. If you're getting a ton of transmissions, you have to upgrade to, you know, different tiered system, but it is super cheap and their cameras are very affordable. They work really well for me. So check out SwyPoint. Another dope brand made in the USA is Marsupial. They make the best bino harness out there, period. I've tried so many and the Marsupial is in a league of its own. Uh, you can also customize it to whatever binos that you're rocking. Check out Marsupial's website to learn more. This is made in America, and this is something that I find to be overlooked in a lot of instances. So check out Marsupial's bino harness. They have some other bow cases, hand warmers, gun cases, and again, made in the USA. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Coffee is life. And I love this brand. I love what they stand for. They're pro-American. Pro 2A, they make really good coffee. You can have coffee delivered to your door and you can have it in a cadence that suits how much coffee you drink. Make sure you try the Just Black. That's probably my all-time favorite. Flying Elk is number two, but try them all. See which ones you dig and support BRCC. The discount code is ElkShape. We'll take 15% off. Baku e-bikes out of Ogden, Utah. E-bikes for me is more of a lifestyle. Like um, my wife has one, I have one date nights. A lot of times there's just an e-bike ride up a mountain, watch a sunset, maybe have an adult beverage. But also I use them for whitetail hunting, getting in and out of tree stands or checking trail cameras. Uh, maybe some spring bear hunting and logging roads and a little bit of elk hunting. But the bottom line is where legal, they're awesome. They have class one, two or three options in one bike itself. I recommend the mule get a thousand water and discount code elkshape will take $300 off that investment. Last but not least, blackovis.com. That's where I get all my gear and I use my own discount code. It is elkshape. It'll take 10% off free shipping and world-class customer service. Rep Fitness is the workout gear that I utilize in my gym. I do have an affiliate link. I don't have a discount code for them, but they are more affordable than other brands and free shipping. And believe me, when you're shipping workout gear, you're going to want free shipping because freight will kill you. So check out Rep Fitness. They're out of Denver, Colorado. Crossover Symmetry for the shoulders. Discount code ELKSHAPE will take 20% off. Get the hip halo band as well as their shoulder kit. Get all of it and do your prehab so you don't have to do rehab. Alien Gear Holsters. I have a link in the show notes. You can enter the discount code ELKSHAPE10 to get 10% off any holster. Guys, Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the companies that support us. We'll catch you on the next one.